Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone. This is Scott Rochelle, and this is the Betting Barrier Podcast on the Bleed Podcast Network, the Bay Area's number one sports podcast network. The only place of the show for every team in the Bay Area and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're also available in your favorite directory, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Rice Shell Radio. On this week's show, we're going to talk about the San Francisco 49ers and their upcoming football matchup over the next week. But before we do all that, we have a quick word from our sponsor. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on the football field once again. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more props, odds, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football-related. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back, everyone, to the Ben Maria Podcast. For one and break, we previewed what we're going to do for this week's show. Once again, talk about the Niners and their upcoming Week 15 matchup against the Seahawks. But there is a slight wrinkle there because it is the Thursday night game. So it actually will be taking place tonight. Looking forward to it. But before we actually get into the preview for that game, we got to do what we always do, which is recap how we did and how the Niners did last week. For the Niners, it was really a flawless performance. They absolutely dominated from start to finish. They ended up opening up a big lead early, and it was never in doubt. They ended up winning the game 35-7. to It looked like Tampa didn't even show up for the game. They had the one huge touchdown pass to Mike Evans, which was overturned via penalty, and that was really the only chance Tampa had because the Niners led 28-0 at the half, and the game was over at that point. So to go through the actual uh, spread and total, unfortunately, we ended up splitting we were right about the Niners. We thought the Niners would win the game comfortably. However, we did lose on the under. We thought that this game would be more of a defensive struggle, mostly with regard to Tampa. We thought the Niners would really limit Tampa to roughly 10 points, and that's exactly what happened. They scored seven. But we thought Tampa's defense would do a lot more against Brock Purdy, and that just did not happen. San Francisco scored the touchdown right before half to Ayuk, and that was kind of the really the nail in the coffin there, and the game landed 42. So we ended up splitting, but we did end up seeing the Niners win comfortably, which is nice. And ever since I said the Niners have to go on a serious run with all these home games in a row, they haven't lost. And now they're 9-4. and four. So they've been phenomenal lately. They've looked like one of the best teams in the league. And they have really answered the call when it came to a favorable schedule. And as a result, they've won six straight. So to transition over into the actual game stats for that game against Tampa and to go through the actual box score, starting off with quarterback Brock Purdy, he was basically flawless. You, know, you can talk about how his numbers in general weren't overly impressive with 185 passing yards, but nobody really cares because he had no turnovers and he had three touchdowns. He went 16 of 21, so his completion percentage was very solid. Two touchdowns, no pick, sack zero times. QBR of 92.8 also had himself a rushing touchdown, so he was fantastic. McCaffrey had 14 carries for 119 rushing yards and one touchdown. Jordan Mason, 11 carries for 56 yards. Debo Samuel, 21 yards and a rushing touchdown. Did get injured in the game, though, most likely going to be out for around three weeks. 
So we will most likely be without Debo for, uh, I'd say, at least till the end of the month. But as long as he's back for the playoffs, I don't think anyone really cares. To go through the receiving core, Ayuk had 57 yards and a touchdown right before the end of the first half. You had Debo, who had 43 yards. McCaffrey had 34 yards and a touchdown. So McCaffrey ended up going for... Over 150 all-purpose yards with two touchdowns. Kittle was relatively quiet, 28 yards, and that kind of wraps up the entire receiving core. As for uh, Tampa, you had no sacks allowed. Tampa is very good at limiting sacks because Brady gets the ball out of his hands very quickly. However, he didn't really do anything with it. Had 34 completions out of 55 attempts for 253 yards, averaging 4.6 yards per attempt which is just absolutely terrible but you can't say we're surprised because that's what we expected in this game that's what we've seen from Tampa all season long but you're looking at the overall numbers for Brady one touchdown two picks QBR of 36 not very good for the ground game not much better White had 56 yards on 13 carries Fournette had 13 yards on four carries team ended up averaging 3.6 yards per carry 69 yards total. The receiving core, Godwin had 54 yards. Evans had 44. Could have been north of 100, but once again, that touchdown got uh, wiped off the board with that holding penalty. Julio had 38 uh, yards. Fournette had 33 yards. Uh, White had 21 yards. Auden had 28 yards. Russell Gage had the touchdown reception, finished with 12 yards, but nobody really did anything. Rashad White also had a fumble. So the Niners did force a fumble there. Lost the fumble as well with Debo Samuel on that injury on the play where he suffered the injury. But the Niners defense, once again, giving up less than 18 points, six straight weeks of allowing less than 18 points. And the defense is fully dialed in, which is why this team is a serious threat to win the Super Bowl at this point. So we'll see how that goes. But to transition over to the other side of the coin, you have to talk about the Seahawks, who realistically have a hypothetical shot of catching the Niners in the NFC West, it's not likely. If the Niners win this game, the division's basically over. Let's put it that way. So the Niners definitely looking to pretty much put the nail in the coffin there for the NFC West, and I think they have a decent shot to do it. But to go through the Seahawks' recent games, they've lost three of four, including the last week, the game last week against the Panthers at home, which they ended up losing 30-24. to They no-showed roughly the first 17 minutes of the game as Carolina jumped out to an early 17-0 lead. Then Seattle woke up a little bit, ended up cutting the deficit to six right before the half, right before half, ended up cutting it to three going into the fourth quarter. And then Carolina took over again, scoring 10 unanswered points. Seattle scored a nice garbage time touchdown there with 16 seconds left to get to 24. But Carolina won the game 30 to 24. And to go through the stats here, Darnold for Carolina didn't really do much. Only at 120 yards and one touchdown. However, he didn't need to because Carolina ran the ball down their throats. Carolina had 223 rushing yards, 4.8 yards per carry, and two rushing touchdowns. Hubbard had 74 yards and a touchdown. You had a foreman who had 74 yards. Blackshear had 32 yards and a touchdown. And Darnold had 40 yards, mostly from one 26-yard scramble. But Carolina really just showcased the main concerns and vulnerability of this Seahawks defense, which is the abysmal rush defense. And to go through Seattle's rush defense numbers, Seattle's allowing the second most rushing yards per game in the league. And the last three games, Seattle's allowing the most rushing yards per game in the league. 
And it's not even close. It's north of 200. So they cannot stop the run. We'll talk about how that transitions or how that translates into this upcoming matchup. But for the offense, Seattle's offense was really not good. Geno Smith, 264 yards, three touchdowns, which sounds nice. However, he was sacked three times, also had two interceptions, QBR of 61.6. They couldn't run the ball. Kenneth Walker was out. Homer did nothing, 26 yards, and Geno had 20 yards. So Seattle had 46 rushing yards. But the receiving core, Godwin was good, had that rush, had that uh, touchdown right before the end of the game, finished with 95 yards and one touchdown. Metcalf at 71 yards and a touchdown. Lockett had 60 yards and a touchdown. Lockett on a very nice touchdown streak. I believe he scored a touchdown in six straight games. But Seattle offensively, they couldn't protect Geno, and they got killed in the turnover battle. And that was really the story of the game. But Seattle offensively has still been solid. The issue is defensively, they cannot stop the run and they've been getting absolutely crushed in the trenches on both sides of the ball, and Carolina exploited it. So now San Francisco has a two-game lead, a full two-game lead in the division, and they already have the one nothing head-to-head win against Seattle back in Week 2. So once again, if San Francisco wins this game, it's curtains, and San Francisco can just clinch the division title. But either way, uh, to talk about this upcoming matchup, against the Seahawks starting off with the spread and the total spread has come down a little bit was available at three and a half it's still available at three and a half in some spots but mostly available at three and the total has also come down a bit moved from 43 and a half to around 43 flat still a couple of 43 and a halfs out there but for this matchup I have to talk about the injury report so I mentioned Seattle getting Kenneth Walker back doesn't matter that much in this game I'm not so sure because the Niners are number one in the league in rushing yards allowed and rushing yards per carry. So the Niners are amazing against the run. They're amazing at everything. They're allowing the fewest total yards per game. They're allowing the fewest points per game by a wide margin. This Niners defense is historically great. If you want to talk about some recent defense, especially with the way that the game's officiated now and with how many rules are catered in favor of the offense, This Niners defense is so good, and you're looking at this pass rush with Bosa and with Armstead, who came back. I think Seattle's offensive line has a lot of problems, and I think they're going to end up experiencing the wrath of this defensive line throughout this game. Geno's had a bunch of interception issues, and I think that could be a problem in this game as well. But the Niners, I think, have a lot of value here at minus three. The issue, though, with the injury and the reason why the line has kind of dipped a little bit from three and a half to three is Brock Purdy, who's battling a bit of an oblique injury. He's currently questionable. It seems, according to earlier reports, he's going to play, but he will be a little bit compromised, mostly with mobility. The question is, does it really matter? I don't think it does, because the Niners are so good in the trenches, both offensively and defensively, that I think Seattle's screwed. I think you're looking at San Francisco, who could probably run north of 200 in terms of yards. McCaffrey could get a bunch of carries. He could end up with 150 yards on the ground himself. I know they try to sprinkle more into the all-purpose category, where I'll go for 130 both rushing and receiving. But I could really see a heavy workload in the ground game for McCaffrey. Goes north of 100, breaks a couple runs. But Seattle, in the last three games, is averaging or allowing north of 200 rushing yards per game. And I think that's really the story of this matchup. You're looking at Carolina's offensive line, Not a great unit. It's not horrible, but the Niners, when healthy, easily have a top three offensive line in the league. And I think as a result, they should just dominate in the trenches and win this game comfortably. But I said the last three games, to put out the exact number there, Seattle in the last three games has allowed 
225.7 rushing yards per game. I think it's going to be a field day for these running backs for uh, San Francisco. But you're looking at the game plan for the Niners. They're going to want to run the ball. They're going to want to keep Purdy healthy. And even with Purdy playing very well against Tampa last week, he only attempted 21 passes. So the game plan's already set. And I think the game plan is really perfect against this Seahawks defense. I think Seattle's going to have a hard time getting off the field. I think that you're going to see a lot of long drives for the Niners. And I think eventually the Niners will win this game pretty comfortably. I am going to link to the under in this game, though. Niners, once again, allowed less than 18 points in each of the last six games. Seattle against good defenses has really not been that great offensively lately. Scored 17 against the Broncos. Scored seven against the Niners in the first meeting of the season back in week two. Scored uh, less than 18 against the Buccaneers in that international game and then scored 24 against Carolina last week. But once again, that had the garbage time touchdown at the end. So Seattle currently, I see their team total at around 20. I don't think they get past 17 in this game. And that's kind of why I'm leaning to the under here. I think the Niners with an injured quarterback are going to really try to milk the clock. You can look at how the first meeting went. And I know Garoppolo played in that game, but the premise is still there. The Niners will try to drain all the clock in the world, and I think they'll be successful at it. In the first meeting, the Niners won the time possession battle roughly 38 minutes to 22 minutes, give or take, and I think that's going to be a similar story here. I don't see the Seahawks getting enough possessions with the ball to actually generate big plays or to score quickly. Niners had 11 more first downs. They had roughly 160 more yards. I just think this game should really be a blowout. I think the Seahawks are going to, of course, come in with a – chip on their shoulder after losing a home game to Carolina. But you're looking at how this team has played. They've lost three of four. The defense is falling apart and they turn the ball over a lot. And I think that San Francisco is really the worst possible matchup for this Seattle team because they can run the ball extremely well. They're great in the trenches and they can force a lot of turnovers. And I think as a result, the Niners will win this game comfortably. I really see a 24-10 type game, 24-13 type game. The Niners are a freight train. And the Seahawks are currently 7-6. and six. They're clinging to a playoff spot. I'm not sure they get it. But you're looking at these games lately, giving up 30 to Carolina, gave up 23 to Wolford and the Rams, gave up 40 to the Raiders, 34 in regulation. And I can't look past how bad that defense is. So the total's a bit concerning because you can argue maybe the Niners score 30 again, and then you're really stressed for the total. But with an injured Purdy, I think the time of possession is going to be really where the Niners thrive. And I think you'll see them really drain a bunch of clock. So I'm on the under. I like Seattle team total under. But I really see a 24-10. We're going to drain the clock. We're going to suck the life out of this team and clinch a division title. So for me, I'm going to go with the Niners to cover the three. And I'll take the under uh, currently available at 43 and a half. But that's been this episode of the Ben Area podcast here for Thursday, uh, December 15th. We're back once again next week to cover the Week 16 matchup. But until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.